Is it really recording? Yeah. Hi, this is Mia from the I Want Your Sex podcast, uh, MiaOnTop.com, and you're listening to Massacast. So as I'm recording this, this is the 26th, just two days ago, the uh, State Senate of New York voted uh, to approve same-sex marriages, and uh, Saad and I and another friend were here, we were watching the... Uh, the results come in and we were so excited and the, the elation on the streets and this is also Gay Pride Week. We, we could not be more proud to be New Yorkers at this time. This was It was such such a good moment. And um, actually earlier today, uh, Saad and I were at, at, a, at a party and uh, Saad had a few uh, beverages. I had scotch, which is very rare for me. I don't usually drink, I'm more of a beer guy. And so I'm feeling kind of toasty right now. Just kind of feeling, you know, kind of chill. This episode, uh, we're going to be talking with Gamer. You may have heard Gamer before, if you've ever heard the Dungeon Place podcast. He's been uh, on there before. And uh, so we jumped on via Skype. Uh, and I've been having more uh, Skype interviews recently. And I will admit that it is, it is a little more difficult to do a Skype interview because when I'm one-on-one with someone, you could read body language. Um, they can tell if I'm joking if I say something. Or they can at least pity laugh if I say something. And um, so it is a little more of a challenge, I'll admit, for me to do a Skype uh, interview. But I'm pretty pleased with how, how this conversation turned out, and thanks to Gamer. Um, so here's our conversation. The first thing uh, off the, you know, when someone listens to your voice, they might be thinking, I'm recording another Kink from Around the World episode, mm-hmm. which uh, I suppose we could talk about Kink from Around the Globe, but, you know, that accent is a dead giveaway. You're clearly from Montana. Oh, absolutely. Right. No, where are you from originally? Uh, originally, I'm from south of London, um, but then my parents moved up to the Liverpool area when I was a kid. When I was about five, mm-hmm. and I grew up there, did most of my education in the Liverpool area. And then when I was 24, 25, a fiancé at the time, who will remain nameless, suggested I should get a different job that paid more and signed me up for law enforcement. <laughs> she signed you up for law enforcement. Yeah. That was real nice of her. She decided she needed more money, so this was the way to get it. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> but it, I just had this vision in my mind of saying, oh, by the way, guess where you're going tomorrow? Well, that's kind of how it was. Right. Um, we split up the same day that I got the uh, confirmation that I'd got the job. Right. And I said, oh, and by the way, I'm moving out. I know we're not together anymore, but this will solve our problems. I'm moving out. I got a new job. Bye. Right. <laughs> and that was that? Pretty much. Um, I went and did a training course for about 11 weeks, and then I found myself moving to London. And uh, now, throughout this entire process, were you aware of your, your kinky nature at the time? or Not so much. I knew I was a little, little different. There'd been little clues that I thought I'm a bit of a freak. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Uh, what little clues? Like? Oh, I, I guess when I was maybe 13 or 14, um, I don't know how it came about, but from what I know now, I was basically doing sounds on myself, but using a <laughs> And this, this is not safe, and I do not <laughs> recommend it to people at home. Um, I was using a, a strip of, of leather boot lace down my urethra. 
And now I know that's kind of how sounds work. Yeah. Hmm. Then, Not recommended. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, obviously it wasn't uh, it wasn't a horrible scarring experience for you. Oh, absolutely know. not. Right. I survived. Right. I'm, I'm relatively normal. <laughs> right. And so when did you actually start to, you know, explore more? Probably only within the last, uh, I would say, five or six years. Because when I was working law enforcement in the UK, I had to be purer than pure, at least out in public view. Yeah. So I didn't want to risk anything that would be untoward, should we say, or that could be used against me. Sure. Um, when I moved to the States with my former wife, who's American, uh, I started to get a little bit more creative. One of the things I found that I enjoyed doing was making a mess. I think one of my earliest memories with my former wife was painting each other in different colors and then rolling around on a large sheet of paper. Just do body, body impressions. Right. It was kind of fun. And uh, I think that was probably the start of Gamer is a messy sod. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was sort of the, like you said, like the start of the, oh, wow, we can do more than just missionary position in the bedroom type of stuff. Absolutely. And obviously, at least it sounds like your your wife at the time was at least supportive of you. Um, no, she's, she's a good LDS girl. Um, she's a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints. And... She is quite conservative. She, I don't think she willingly participated in anything that she saw as kinky. Uh-huh. But this was just husband and wife having a little fun, getting right. a little messy. So to, in that respect, it was something she didn't mind trying. Um, I have a feeling that she'd be quite surprised if she knew what I do now. Because we, we, we still talk, mm-hmm. but our, our lives are sep- very much separate. Right. Uh, this is more a private form of who I am mm-hmm. compared to what she knows. Right. <laughs> so, so you would suggest things to her and or you would hint and she would just completely blow it off or she would think you were joking or how did that usually go? Um, it, it, all of the above. Yeah. Um, we'd, we'd think about things and uh, there were certain things she wouldn't like to do. I have a hard time with... Um, going down on a woman these days because my former wife thought that was very nasty. Uh, she didn't like that at all, mm-hmm. which, and I used to, but now I've I've got um, kind of a psychological block that I don't do that. <laughs> well, I know I, I, I know what you mean because um, if you're with someone who's got a uh, a real gross out factor to some things, then yeah, you kind of you 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 know psychologically you think okay this is something I shouldn't do and you kind of block it out of your head right. Right. Um, or I should say there's two ways people usually go about doing it. They usually block it out of their head and completely, or they completely obsess over it and the fact that they can't do it and find someone else to do it with, right? Right. Um, but no, I, I, I was in a similar situation with someone. I was in a long-term relationship with someone who thought cunnilingus was dirty, and that was always like my favorite thing. Now, of right. course, now if I, if I were to go back in time and talk to my former self, I'd go, why are you with this person? Who clearly, right. you know, um, but, you know, you kind of, your mistakes form who you are today, right? Absolutely. Um, so, so still to this day, you you're, you've got sort of a, uh, I guess in Chicago they call it a hinky feeling uh, about <laughs> oral sex. Yeah, a little bit. I, I try every now and then because I know it's something that uh, Sweet Gig Goddess really enjoys, mm-hmm. and it's not so much a force of habit that I'm trying to break. 
it's just something I know that she really likes. Mm -hmm. And every now and then when I think about it, I go, oh, yeah, why don't I try that tonight? So it's it's when you think about it, but because it because you're so used to not thinking about it, it doesn't pop up and as often is what you're saying. Right. It's not part of my uh, regular repertoire, should we say? You know, I think you might have uh, legal recourse that you can take against your ex-wife for this. <laughs> uh, she'd love that. <laughs> can you imagine the court, the courtroom? Yeah, the courtroom scene would be really, really interesting. I'm sure. Oh, in Salt Lake, absolutely. So you were you were with your your ex-wife, wife I was. at the time, um, and what what prompted you? What you said about five years ago? What happened about five years ago that made you um, explore or actually you know decide you're going to jump in head first? I was just a little curious, and I think about five years ago we was it five years ago. <laughs> I think we'll we'll say it's five years ago because that's a good timeline. Sure. Um, my my then wife and I decided that we were going to separate and see about uh, looking towards a divorce. And I'd met some friends online who suggested I go out to a, a camping session with them, and it was going to be a little bit kinky. Was I okay with that? And I was fine. Um, I went up there, and I was out of cell phone communication, and I met a lot of people that. Some who from Salt Lake, some from Denver, some from Idaho, and they did a couple of demonstrations, um, some suspension, some bondage, some basic flogging, and a little bit of fire play. And I thought, you know, this is kind of cool. Right. Uh, and when I came back to Salt Lake, I got in touch with the people I'd met here, and they said, well, we actually do a class. Why don't you come along one night and, and see what you think? And I went to that. It was fun. And <laughs> it was... But at the same time, there's a big, I know you identify as a sadist. Mm -hmm. um, and since, since that uh, identity probably was fairly, you know, it's in the last five years that you've identified as sadist, or did you always sort of know? No, I've always been more creative and kinky than a, a sadist in my own mind. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's only recently that's changed. You, you said something interesting. You said, and maybe I'm misquoting here, but it sounds, if memory serves, you said, at first you thought you were a little more creative than a sadist. Right. Now that is going to piss a lot of sadists off when they hear that. You know, I didn't, I think it's just because I didn't identify as a sadist. Right. I don't mean that sadists aren't creative at all. <laughs> so I can see no, where you're coming that's from That's exactly there. what you meant. You don't have to, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh so no, but what is that? So you just meant you, you were a little more varied than just only a sadist. I think so. And I think to a lot of extent, I, I still identify more as a creative kingster than as a, specifically as a sadist. Mm -hmm. Certainly I'm more top and sadist than I am anything else. Um, I'm certainly not a switch, at least not right now. I, I, it's not something I, I identify with. and I'm certainly not submissive. Um, but I still like to make a mess. I enjoy getting the wax out and painting somebody up with, uh, colorful stuff and, mm -hmm. um, and, and being almost decorative, I guess. Sure. And then, but you said oh, it was only until recently that you discovered a, a more of a sadist side or? Absolutely. Um, I've, I've had a couple of play partners in the past once I, once I split away from my wife, my former wife and, some of them I found that when I caused them pain, it made me hard all over. Mm -hmm. 
and I started to investigate that a little bit. And it really wasn't until oh, the last couple of years when I started doing the Dungeon Place podcast and exchanging ideas more openly with the likes of Two Tivolers, with Goddess, um, Darling Evil and people that we were certain with, mm-hmm. that um, I realized that this is actually quite a big part of who I am. Um, I enjoy hurting people and I enjoy making the tears flow. And people let me. <laughs> is that a hard, uh, I, I, I can't identify, obviously, I'm, I'm not a sadist, but is that, right. a, I imagine for me, if for some reason I, I were to be told, okay, you, and if I went to the doctor, something was ailing me, and he says, well, it turns out we got your test results back and you're a sadist. Um, right. uh, the, the hard thing for me to get over would be, would be inflicting, you know, inflicting pain on someone. Um, even though that was something that got me off, it, I, maybe, maybe, maybe the fact that it gets you off can, it makes it a lot easier to get over that. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but was that, was that a hard thing to, to justify in your mind? Or uh, is it you know, just a matter of taking baby steps and eventually you get more comfortable with it? Or how does, how does one, I've always, I've always wondered, how does one kind of get into that? I think, for me at least, it was something that I enjoyed doing so it was a case of finding ways and finding people that allowed me to experiment like that. And when I came, met up with Sweet Geek Goddess, that was an opportunity to explore even more. Mm. And But it was f- for a long time, and still to a certain extent, it is a mental block that you do not hurt women. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> It's along those lines of you don't hurt you don't hurt women or children, you know. And we talked briefly before we started recording about my past in law enforcement. I worked with a lot of people who were abusers, and I was very conscious that what I was doing could be seen as abuse by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and and that was quite a hard thing for me to to get over. Um, it wasn't until I sat down and talked with a few women that were very much identified as submissive that I could see, well, okay, it's okay. It's something they want to do. It's gone from light spanking to caning to flogging and nipple torture. And they like it. They really enjoy this. So if they're enjoying it and they've given me permission to do it, it can't be all bad. Right. Um, and, and slowly it, it, I came around to, if they're okay with it and I enjoy it, I don't see a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, you, uh, do you find uh, when you're first starting out and you're, and you're kind of lo- you know, getting in touch with your inner sadist that it's hard to know where the line is? Um, it or, is. Or is it pretty much, pretty, is it pretty much you, know, you, you know it when you see it? Well, I, I think there's a certain point I won't go past. Um, I was playing with Sweet Gig Goddess oh, a couple of months back and I had to call Red and walk away because it got to the point where I kind of glazed over. She was fighting back and, and it was a lot of fun. But it got to the point, I don't know whether she, she struck me or whether I was having to go into what I considered my professional mode um, from my law enforcement skills. I had to go 
you know, this, that's too close. I need to back off and I need to get my mindset back in the game. So I called red and walked away for about five minutes. Um, and at that point, I think it was a moment of realization for myself that I had the right amount of control. I knew when to call it. Uh, and certainly it instilled a lot more trust um, from Goddess's point of view. She, she was quite happy that she knew that she could trust me not to exceed uh, any limits. Well, yeah, no kidding. And, you know, it's also, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's funny because we always, whenever we think of safe words, we always, I should say, most people that I've talked to always mention a safe word as being something that the submissive does, right? Right. Um, it's pretty rare to hear and refreshing to hear when uh, a dominant uses a safe word. Um, and I think there's a lot of dominants out there who maybe forget or else maybe they've wanted to, but think that's, you know, not dominant if you, if you, you know, use a safe word. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. Um, so and I, I totally th- agree. I think that takes a lot of balls to, to do that. Uh, and you know, I think to a certain degree, both top and bottom need to push the envelope occasionally, mm-hmm. but sometimes you can push it too far and not realize and it's that realization that's the important aspect of, of play. Because at the end of the day, it's okay to break someone who wants to be broken. But if you break them too far, so they are actually um, impaired, you're not going to be able to play with them again anyway. Yeah. Or the, even if there's just a, a lack of trust from that point on, you don't want to break your toys. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, and it's also like I think Dan Savage uses the campfire uh, analogy where it's like make sure you leave the, leave the campfire uh, the camping grounds in a better condition than where you found it, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think that's quite true. I mean, I'm sure, the camp farm site may be, um, it may not be quite the same state for a couple of days, but. <laughs> <laughs> but now, do you think that's, is that a very common thing that, uh, that uh, that do you think t- dominance or tops uh, that m- a misconception that they can't they don't have per- you know that not that they don't have permission but it, it's it's less dominant for some reason and why why do you think that is? I can see from what the limited experience I've had locally that there are people who will push the edge and will go a little further than their skill set. Um, it, it's an awkward call because unless you know someone really well, you don't know what skills they have. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of people go in, especially newer people to the scene, whether they're top or bottom, they get into a situation. And fortunately, I haven't seen one where it's gone too far. But I have seen people get a little bit out of the depth. And someone usually will sit down and counsel them afterwards and say, hey, are you guys okay? You know, were you comfortable? You didn't look as though that was quite how you expected it to go. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of aftercare that goes on. And it's not just the people in the scene that are offering each other aftercare. It's friends and bystanders and, and DMs that uh, they'll actually sit down and say, hey, you guys okay? Do you want to talk? You know, how's it going? Which so it's quite, when you say DM, you mean dungeon monitor. I do. Right. Yes. We have a good series of, of dungeon monsters here, um, here in Utah. Um, one of the guys I know, Utah Rocks, he is he does he does a really good job. He's ex law enforcement as well. 
mm-hmm. and he does a real good job of, of doing a dungeon monitor training program. So even if you've not done it before, when you come out of his training program, you've got a pretty good idea of what to look for. And then there's opportunities locally here to uh, expand on that knowledge and and have someone shadow you and explain a couple of extra bits because I'm not that experienced as a dungeon monitor myself. Yeah. I what, just know what I like. Can you can you give, can you give us some uh, some pointers or just some uh, from my own from my own personal knowledge too? I mean, it, you, it sounds like I don't want you to you know feel like you're usurping someone else's class or anything like that. But um, from what you've seen, I have a, I have a real big problem. Like if I'm at a play party, I, I it, it's really difficult for me to see someone um, hurting a girl in mm-hmm. any way. You know, uh, if I see someone. Caning a girl, it, I, I have to look away. Even though I know clearly she's there because she wants it, 99.9% of the time, she's there because she wants it, right? Right. Um, but it's very difficult for me not to, you know, intercede and go, what the fuck are you doing? You know, don't you know? You know, uh, even though I'm not new to the scene, you know, I, I, right. I, but I still have to look away. Unless it's something light like spanking or something like that. Um, so, so this is also from my own personal knowledge. What, what are some of the tips that, that he gives of what things you should look for so that, you know, so that when I'm watching that I don't, you know, jump to conclusions like I'm, you know, like I desire to. The biggest thing he mentioned was to ask questions, um, whether you're acting as a dungeon monitor or whether you're just a, a bystander looking at a scene, not to interrupt the scene that's going on, but to ask somebody who knows about the technique and the play style that's being done because not every dungeon monitor has the same play skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very familiar with Shibari, for example. Um, so, I, but I've got people who I know that are, and I say, you know, this doesn't look safe to me. Yeah. What are your thoughts? And even if they're not dungeon monitoring at the time, they'll say, Oh, that's fine. You know, I know this guy or this girl, they've been doing this for a long time. They've got the experience. Um, but you're right to, to question it because if you're not sure, so it all comes down to asking questions. Uh, even if you go and ask the participants after the scene's over, it's just, just, hey, that seemed like it was a little intense and I wasn't sure it was safe, but yeah. you know, how, how is it for you? And, and can you explain a couple of things to me? And that works really well because it builds your knowledge and you can come back and say, well, I, okay, I'm a little bit more aware now. Absolutely. It, it also seems to be something that people who are, when they're new to the scene, uh, tend to maybe make that mistake a little more often. Mm-hmm. And I think it's several things. I think it's one, it's, it's uh, if like if you're a submissive guy or a submissive who's looking for multiple play partners, um, it's sort of a form of advertisement, right? Absolutely. And you don't want to look like you're going to wimp out after the first caning or, or whatever like that. So, <laughs> if, you, know, you know what I mean? So you want, you want it's, it's a form. And the same thing goes with, with dominance for the most part. You know, uh, I know guys who... They'll go to a play party, you know, a public play party, something like that, and all they have to do is bring some rope along, and they'll have, like, seven people who want to meet up with them later, you know? Right. Um, or they'll have, you know, their flogger or something like that. But it's, it's a form of advertising. Absolutely. And I think the other side of the coin is if there's something at a party that triggers your squee factor, there's nothing wrong with walking away and then having a chat with people afterwards and saying, you know, that that was hard for me to watch and I had to walk away. Was it really good for you? And um, what were you feeling? What were you thinking at the time? Most people are quite happy to sit down. And you've probably found this from yourself from talking to other people, that people are happy to explain what they do and to a certain extent why they do it. It's how we learn. 
I think the key to the success of any form of BDSM is communication. We are very good about it because it is so important to establish trust with the people you're playing with. Yeah. No matter what your role, if you don't trust the people you're playing with, then you're not going to play as hard or to the level that you might with someone you trust very well. Um, so, and that's another good idea for the play parties. You go out, you get to see the same sort of people over and over again, and you get to see what they like to do and also their skill levels with uh, the type of play that they're, they're presenting at the time. It's really useful. Do, do you find that you do different styles of play um, in public that you wouldn't do in private and vice versa? I think so. Um, there are things I've done with Sweet Geek Goddess at home that are a little more edgy because they're personal and they, they involve penetration. Yeah. Because for us, that's a lot more intimate. Yeah. It's not something that I'm big on doing in public, um, although I've, you know, I've used vibrators and dildos um, and all sorts of fun stuff on Sweet Geek Goddess at, at public parties, including a fisting or two. Um, but I, we don't actually have sex at, at parties because that's something we like to do at home ourselves. Sure. So we kind of separate the two in that respect. Um, yeah, I'm curious if there, if there are any types of play that you do in public more often, uh, that you don't do uh, as much in private. I, I only, I'm only asking this cause I, I've re- I've, uh, in the last year I've experienced this myself, uh, to give you an example is like, um, Saad and I, we, we know quite a few people in the scene. And mm-hmm. so uh, we don't, because of that, we, when we go to play parties, we're spent, most of our time is spent, you know, just talking to people, which is great. You know, we have no problem with that. But um, one day she said she'd like to go, she wants to go to a play party and actually just play. Right. Um, and that meant basically putting on disguises, right? Okay. We, you know, we put the, the full masks on and we, you know, we went to the play party and we're wearing different clothes and stuff like that. So... Um, there still were a few people who were like, hey, Saad, how's it going? You know, it's like, what? There's no way to tell. <laughs> it's only her eyes, are, you know. Um, but, and then, we, and then we, you know, she ended up like spanking me for like, I don't know, it was like an hour and a half straight, you know. And that's something we don't do at home. We don't do like extended, long spanking sessions that are like an hour and a half, right? And sure. I, I'm not complaining about either. Uh, hold on one second. She, she can hear me in the next one. <laughs> what, what did you say? Oh, it was two and a half hours. I had to completely block it up. I just fixed that. I just, I just, <laughs> I just fixed that fact. There we go. I've been, I've been, <laughs> I have been fixed. I have been updated. It was two and a half hours. I, I blocked the whole thing out. I mean, it was just a blur to me, you know. I think the reason why we did that was because specifically we were in public and nobody, you know, very few people know who we were. Mm-hmm. It was just a very interesting dynamic. Is there anything you get or you can do or you can elicit in public that you wouldn't be able to do as effectively in in private? Absolutely. Goddess loves a lot of impact play. Mm -hmm. She loves a hard beating, um, spankings, um, paddles, as long as it's thuddy and not stingy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She doesn't like canes. Um, She doesn't particularly like single tails. Uh, She has a hard limit of anything that's going to puncture the skin like uh, cutting or needles. That's a, that's a definite no-no. But because we live with an 82-year-old, um, her mom, and a 17-year-old, her daughter, we don't do a lot of impact play. That and the fact, I think our, our dog would go absolutely ballistic. Right. He's, very, he's very protective. Right. Uh, 
even when we're just wrestling, having fun in the kitchen, he'll come and start barking and try and separate the two of us out, almost like he's hurting sheep. Yeah, yeah. So when we go to a public play party, um, quite often we'll do a spanking scene or an impact scene. Um, in fact, we, we did a couple of play parties ago that I went to with, with Goddess. We went just to chat with people. And it was very impromptu, so I didn't even take my toy bag. And someone someone suggested that Goddess might like a beating. I said she absolutely would, but uh, all I've got are my hands, and I, I don't mind spanking her. But um, I think she might want a little bit more if we get started. So my friend lent me a metal spatula, which I proceeded to use after I'd warmed Goddess up a little bit. I used it on her ass, and um, I actually bent the steel <laughs> food paddle. It left a nice series of marks on her on her butt, but uh, unfortunately, I had to then go and bend the paddle back in shape. <laughs> <laughs> and, and thankfully, most people's asses are non-stick surfaces, so... Yes, absolutely. We can't have them sticking. That'd be bad. Right. Yes. Exactly. So, so let's let's talk about your relationship. You're, you've okay. been together for about two years now with Sweetie Goddess. We have. We actually met just before we started recording the Dungeon Blade podcasts. Um, in fact, one of my previous um, playmates, I'd I'd broken up from my wife and um, I I'd, I'd split from a girlfriend at the time. And I called her up and said, hey, I don't know whether you're seeing anyone right now, but if you want to go and have grab a coffee, why don't we do that? And she said, well, I'm in a relationship right now. Oh, but there's this fun person that I want you to meet. And the funny thing is that Sweetie Goddess had actually emailed me a couple of weeks previous to this. Um, my former girlfriend at the time, her mom had passed away and I was helping her through the bereavement. And I, I told Goddess that, you know, I'd really like to meet you, but right now, I, you know, things were a little bit awkward because my girlfriend's mom just passed away. Can I take a rain check? Uh, Goddess thought I was blowing her off. Uh. And it wasn't until our mutual friend said, you should give this guy a call, that she was like, hmm, well, maybe he, maybe he warrants a second go. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, we went out for coffee, and I actually um, took things kind of slow. She thought I wasn't interested, and then, then we played. <laughs> So isn't that isn't that funny? Is that <clears throat> excuse me? I have a lot of female friends who are in the scene, and if the guy is you know purposely taking things kind of slow, mm-hmm. um, it's a it's a huge. It's almost like if the guy doesn't try to sleep with her and tie her up and beat her on the first date. Mm-hmm. So I have friends who are like, oh my god, I can't believe he's not interested. You know, uh, <laughs> it's it's sort of the opposite of what it's like in the vanilla world sometimes. You know. You know, I can see that. I can't tell you how many possible, <laughs> I say possible opportunities for the reason that they never they never came across. I'm not one of these guys that goes and tries to sleep with anyone on a first date. Mm-hmm. Um, I find I have a much better connection if I actually know a little bit about somebody first. And I'm sure Goddess will tell you at some point that I actually was doing yard work for her, or with her, I should probably say, <laughs> Um, I, we'd gone and we'd had a coffee. We met up in a bookstore and had a long conversation um, instead of the five-minute coffee and, and high that she was expecting. Uh, we met and she she liked it because to a certain extent, I'm quite educated. I like to read a lot. And we had very similar interests. And from there, we went on a another date. We went walking up a mountain, grabbed a coffee and just chatted for about four hours. The third date was me doing yard work at her home 
Um, and it, it, it wasn't until I think maybe the fourth date that we actually considered playing. But we, by that point, we established a certain amount of trust and it worked well from there on in pretty much. Yeah. Uh, no, I can, I can definitely see the, the merits of it, you know. But at the same time, she was probably, you know, lack of a better term, chomping at the bit at that time? Or? Um, I, I can say that quite happily that she thought we were just going to be really good friends. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's all she expected at that point. Until we played and talked a little bit more afterwards, she thought we were just going to be friends. She didn't even think we were going to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess you proved her wrong. Absolutely. So now you guys have, uh, judging on your blog, um, you have, there's two ways you've described it. You definitely mentioned DS. You've, you've right. mentioned uh, um, sort of a daddy role play as well. Not a role play, but dynamic, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Um, a little bit. I don't particularly identify as a daddy, but I am protective of my circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, inc- I include several people in that. And I'm not particularly in, in, in a relationship with any of them, except for a friendly one. Right. Uh, it's all platonic, but at the same time, they're all living within the lifestyle to some extent. And we watch out for each other's back. Like it is with a lot of different people within the, the BDSM world. You've also, but, you've also mentioned like 1950s style. Absolutely. Now, can you explain that? Because when I, when I think of that, I think of uh, Leave it to Beaver. I think of, you know, June and Ward Cleaver. <laughs> and I can't believe I made a Leave it to Beaver reference. I, know I swear I'm not that old. But Goddess mentioned that she kicked June's ass. <laughs> 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 um, I definitely did not mean to offend when I said that. I'm just saying when I think of the 1950s uh, relationship dynamic, that's what I think of, right? Our relationship is very much that I can't say that I'm the breadwinner because Goddess, for the last two years while work's been slow for me, Goddess has been the main source of income. Mm-hmm. But she has a very, very submissive personality in that respect. It's very service-oriented because of the way she was brought up. Her mom and dad ran a farm, uh, amongst other jobs. And it was expected, even when she was seven, eight, nine, that her mom would be working the afternoon evening shift at the local hospital as supervisor. And Goddess would be the one that was cooking the meal for her dad. So that when he came home at, say, 5.30, the food was on the table ready for him. I'm sorry, what? 5.10. Oh, 5.10. I've been corrected now. Uh, <laughs> that will leave a mark later. But she was expected to have the meal ready. And I've heard tales of where he's come home and she'd, she'd spaced off playing with her friends and come home and go, oh, I, I haven't got enough time, made mashed potato to go with the meal. And it had been too runny. She'd added too much milk. And her dad picked up the, the plate of food and hurled it across the room and said, that's not fit for eat. I'm going to go and get myself a hamburger. And she was expected to clean up while he went out and got a hamburger. Um, and that was the dynamic they lived. Right. So she's been very service-oriented because that was her upbringing. Um, and I can see that being a little abusive, but I've also heard the other side of it where she and her dad had a great relationship. They really did. So I'm not worried that she's been abused from that perspective. But when... 
when she was growing up, that was what was expected, that she would have her chores to do and then she would provide for the family as well. She would she was in service to her mom and dad to a certain extent. Yeah, uh, I also noticed from your blog, you guys uh, do play around a bit with uh, with orgasm control. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is and it sounds like it's for the most part, it's no no coming without permission. Yes. Is that pretty much the standard the standing the standing rule? It is. It got to the point where I I was called away on a job that had me out of town for a couple of days and she decided she was going to masturbate. Well, because I'd got a train that she wasn't allowed to come until I told her to, she was there at about eleven o'clock at night trying desperately to have an orgasm and because i wasn't there to say yes you can you can have an orgasm she physically couldn't achieve satisfaction she was calling me apparently every name under the sun she could think (laughs) of and the only the fact that i was away at work and she didn't know whether i'd be working or asleep after a shift she didn't call me to to ask if she could have permission she just cussed and swore and waited till i got home and told me that she hated me (laughs) I've experienced similar stuff with with Saad. And now the question, though, is is that um, have you ever? And I think I've I've read that you have, but I want to get get the story from you though. Mm-hmm. Is um, you've ordered her not to, but then try to still force it out of her? Oh, absolutely. And is she able to be quote unquote forced, or do you still have to give her permission? Um, she can be forced. Um, I did that quite recently as well that um, I told her she couldn't come and I, I forced her and I'm, <laughs> I made her cry because she really desperately didn't want to come, but she couldn't help herself. She orgasmed and, and I was like, hmm, okay, I see you came with that permission. We'll have to think of a suitable reward for that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, she was not happy. Saad, every now and again, Saad will do something similar, right? But but with me, um, I, 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 you know, I can't, uh, I can't. Well, I should say, it's rare that I can without, and it's it's it is the most frustrating thing in the universe, because you know if you're if you're so close and but you're being told no, mm-hmm. um, you just want to say why why won't you what why what could you possibly be getting out of this you know but you're not in a mental you know state to to ask that question but um, what- um for me it makes me. Uh, it, it makes my penis really hard, which, which Goddess really enjoys shortly afterwards. Sure, sure. Um, but I think it's, it's the mental control that I have such control over her and that she is so wanting to please me that she can't come until I've had, given her permission. And that's, I, I derive great satisfaction from that, knowing that I have that much control. So for those people who want to, you know, do the same thing with their partner... Uh, how do you get someone to that point, or is it just something? Is it just a chemistry thing? Something that just falls into place? I think chemistry is certainly involved. Um, your submissive want, has to want to please you that much, um, and I found that it, the easiest way of doing it was to tell her that I was going to bring it to orgasm, or as close as I could, but she wasn't going to be able to have one, and I would I would have her tell me when she was about to have an orgasm, and I'd stop stimulating. Normally, I'm a great lover of the Hitachi. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I quite often, in fact, almost exclusively, I use two at once, 
Um, I have one that has a, an insertable attachment, and then I have one that just has a, a nubby attachment that I use pretty much directly on the clitoris. And I provide as much stimulation as I can. And when Goddess looks like she's a, about to blow her top, I stop. <laughs> and that in itself is frustrating, I'm sure. <laughs> right. But you did this enough times that sort of, quote unquote, trained her or, it right. just, like I said, it's just something that happened over the course of time. Um, it was it was definitely a training process. Yeah. Um, I would get it to the point and then stop and then do it again and stop. And then I say, OK, I want you to come for me now. And I, I'd keep going until she orgasmed. So she there was a reward there. But um, and eventually she like associated you giving permission with actually having one. Right. Right. My, my intent was to get to the point where I, I could just call her up and say, hey, goddess, how are you doing? I want, I want something from you. I want you to come now. And I never quite achieved that, but I came close, I think. Um, I tried that a couple of times. And I think maybe with a little more training, we can get there. <laughs> she says it still makes her clinch <laughs> in a good way. But right. goddess says that she finds her orgasms um, are, are a lot stronger when when we do this um and i I don't know whether you listen to my favorite dungeon place episode number 29 where we go to the utah burn but we we did a a series of little experiments there um comparing um asibian fisting and what i like to call the double hitachi challenge (laughs) where we uh, with the double Hitachi challenge, what that comprised of was the two Hitachi ones, um, and bringing bringing our female guests to orgasm and keeping them at that point until they called red. I think uh, I think I do remember hearing this episode. <laughs> it's it's quite memorable, <laughs> pretty much for the. I think Tutipolis managed to make a, a five or six minute montage out of all the I do all the female orgasms. <laughs> I do remember this. Yes. So speaking speaking of. Uh, uh, Dungeon Place podcast and, and the two mm-hmm. of us. Um, I, I asked people on Twitter if they had any questions for you, and um, <laughs> he said, uh, "Tuvula said, ask ask him about the dance of the flaming assholes." Yes. Which to me, uh, I always that's what I always call the Republican National Convention. <laughs> but I like it. I don't know it's if you're a Republican. Not. Right. <laughs> no. So what what is the dance of the flaming assholes? It's it's a little thing, and you can actually find examples of this on YouTube. Um, if you if you type in dancing uh, flaming assholes or dance of the flaming assholes, um, it was described to me by a member of the British Royal Air Force or an ex member of the Air Force, where as a drinking game, um, and I'm I'm trying to uh, arrange this without so much alcohol. And what it was, you get a, a couple of guys or guys and girls, whoever who've had a few beers and you take a sheet of newspaper, roll it up and insert it in the, in the arse and then give everyone a pint of beer or whatever liquid the, the chosen tipple is and then have a couple of volunteers to light one end of the newspaper on each person at the same time and basically they have to drink their beer, put the glass on the head before they get a, a warm butt. And we're, we're thinking that we want to try this. I, I know I want to have a couple of volunteers. I've had a couple of people say that they are interested and they would be willing to do it, but we haven't coordinated yet. Um, 
and we're thinking of <laughs> taking the video and doing the dungeon place dance of the burning assholes. <laughs> and this is this is this is was from the member of the Royal Air Force described this. Yeah, yes. Apparently, it was one of the drinking games they used to do in their downtime. How are <laughs> how is the UK still a nation? How is it still a country? If this was this is what well, then again, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that happens in the. In in the American military too. That I, I think I just imagine. Sure. Th then again, at the same time, that being said, if if any if I was a country and I was going to try to invade another country who did this, I would say fuck that. They're clearly out of their minds. You Absolutely, do not want to mess with them at all. Well, it's like uh, members of the 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 Scottish Scottish fighting regiments that still wear kilts. They don't wear anything under the kilts, right? I mean, w when you think about how cold it gets in, in the north of uh, England up there in the, the top of Scotland, it gets pretty damn cold. And if you're walking around in a, just a kilt and, and regular clothes above and you've got nothing in the, under your kilt, I think um, you'd imagine it gets kind of cold. So they've got quite a good constitution. I think that might be why the military, there's a phrase that, gentlemen, this is a balls up uh Balls up operation right now. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me at all. Well, the dance of the flame. Yeah, I hope you're going to get it on, on video when you do. That's clearly. Are there? Are th I think I know a few people who are just insane enough to try that. <laughs> With or without alcohol inducement. I, I, I am just still in. I'm, in, I'm amazed. I think the whole story completely. Shot. Are there any other? I don't want to. I'm not trying to make fun of your kink, but I, I guess I would say <laughs> bizarre or I should say out of the ordinary things that you want to try that's on your on your to-do list um i do have um a group scene that i've discussed with two tivolis that we're gonna call the carousel of pain kind of like when kids play ring a ring of roses and they all join hands and dance around one way and then you have another ring of people outside that initial ring um and we're thinking of of tops and bottoms so that while the music's playing, the inside rotates around one way. When they stop, they get the um, the scene play type of choice that's standing in front of them, whether it's um, stun gun, um, impact play, a little bit of quick bondage, spanking, whatever. Dance of the flaming assholes. <laughs> whatever's in Maybe. You never whatever's, know. Your whatever's in front of you at the time. That's really interesting. Right. That's really interesting. That that's yeah. I I like to come up with these different ideas. Some of them we've we've tried, and some of them we haven't. Um, I know we did a scene with about five or six ladies who we did zipper lines on. I ran it through the line, through a ring in the the ceiling attached to a, a bowling ball, and uh, <laughs> the fun part of that was looking at the expressions of fear and consternation just prior to dropping the bowling ball Ugh. and all these zipper lines on six or seven different ladies all came off at the same time that with sounds, various squeals. <laughs> I, that sounds so evil. Um, yes. <laughs> well, I, you, clearly you have, you have a knack for coming up with creative, creative scenes, I guess is the phrase. I try. It, it's usually group effort. Um, I've got some, are you familiar with form spring? Um, I am. Um, I've got I've got a, a bunch of questions here that I've I've been and some of them have been backlogged so I haven't been able to ask them. Do you mind an answering a few of them? Do you have time? Sure. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, this is this is one that you might I mean you might know from talking to others or from personal experience of your own. Um, how do I explore my desire to inflict pain on others when my girlfriend is not especially into pain? How do I do this without cheating on her? Everything in the BDSM lifestyle pretty much comes down to communication. Um, if there's something you really want to do. The easiest way is just to talk about it and say, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, I, I think this could be kind of fun. Why don't we try it and see what happens? Because when you start off, you don't have to go for the two by four. You can start off with a little light over the knee spanking and and do it in a sort of romantic way almost where so you have dinner, maybe a bottle of wine and and then lead into it and say, well, Thank you for dinner, but I noticed you threw your napkin away before we were finished. You're a naughty girl or naughty boy, depending on, yeah, on the sure. gender of your partner. And you need to be punished. Come over here, bend over my knee. Um, try a little light spanking like that. And maybe maybe the partner's going to feel a little bit self-conscious or feel it's weird. But I found that talking about these things, most people even if they're not a heavy pain slot or not into piercing, they will compromise to a certain degree because that's what relationships are for. Um, I know I mentioned earlier that goddess isn't into piercing or, or cutting, mm -hmm. but she has no problem with me talking with one of our friends who is and saying, look, I'd really, really like to try this. I've got this idea. It's not something goddess is happy with for herself, but... If you're up for it, I'd like to try this and, and do this. And there is usually a way to compromise in pretty much any situation. And not, not all. And it depends on the people and how communicative you are. But you will usually find a balance somewhere along the line. You can train someone, start off easy and bring their pain tolerance level up. Uh, I know if you're having a good spanking session, you can start off lightly and just progressively get a little bit more intense and certainly from spanking you can get the the endorphin rush after a while you mentioned when Saad was spanking you for two and a half hours you kind of zoned out you just went with it and kind of blanked certain aspects of it out like the time duration obviously because you're having a good time I mean I'm right, sure you try that again so <laughs> I'm getting prompted from the couch here. I should have set up a second microphone. Um, Goddess mentions that you can, and something that I've done with her is that you can train with the carrot and stick method. You, you can give the spankings and for letting me spank you, I'm going to give you the kind of lingus or fellatio that you've been after, um, bring you to orgasm, or maybe we'll do something that you want to do. Um, Absolutely. Here's another one. Um, if you could play with one well-known kinkster, who would it be and why and what would you do? Wow. I, th I think I think right now it would be Lou Rubens. Um, I had the opportunity to sit down with Scython, Sweetie Goddess, and Lou and talk a little bit uh, over July last year, July 4th, he was in town. And not just for his rope skills, some of the things he had to say about life and his experiences and his thoughts on uh, 
aspects of kink within the uni- the universe at large, I guess, were were really intriguing. I'd love to have had more time to sit down with him um, and, and sure, learn about his rope skills, but learn a little bit more about the man behind the rope. Um, I could quite happily spend a couple of days or a week with Lou and, and just pick his brains for his rope skills and just his his views on life in general. So in this He's instance, guy. in this instance, you you you're saying when when you say play with, you mean play alongside and kind of like right, learn some bit. of his rope skills because sure. I I'd certainly like to learn a little more shirari and just general um, rigging skills. Uh, and I, I've seen what he does, and I saw what he was doing the night he came over. You know fantastic rope skills and i know there are other people out there that are, are equally good i mean i've seen i've been to a sem- weekend seminar with lee harrington and that was absolutely fantastic but right now the one person i'd really like to spend a little time with would be uh, lou rubens absolutely uh you know I, I i'm not i mean i've i've gone to a few presentations but i haven't really spent any time with lou but uh uh definitely that's i mean if i have the, the opportunity maybe i should try to uh Look at look at Lou's schedule and see if there's a time to maybe sit down and record a podcast. That might be interesting. I, I, that, that would be fantastic. I I'd usually, love to hear that. For some reason, I don't uh, I don't really go out of my way to to interview really famous people in the scene, and I right. don't, I don't know why that is. I th- I think it's partially uh, you know ninety percent of them don't know who I am, or if they do, they just you know who knows what. I mean, I, I don't usually go out of my way. And the only reasons I have are when someone else has said, hey, I've got this friend and it's X, Y, and Z. Do you want to interview? I'm like, sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, but yeah, usually I think, you know, maybe I should uh, get off my ass and start uh, sending more out there. Um, and here's one that uh, I find is, uh, is very revealing. If you could have one kinky superpower, what would it be? The voyeur in me would like the power to um, x-ray vision that would be well that that could be both a, a blessing and a curse <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that would certainly appeal to me I, I like sards though those are both good examples but I, I think I'd probably go with x-ray vision especially if I could turn it on and turn it off yes yeah absolutely because <laughs> you wouldn't want to be walking some things I just do not want to see exactly you don't want to be walking by you know like uh, the sauna the sauna room when it's seniors night or something you know and not you know, just shut that off but um, <laughs> yeah you, there's not enough mind bleach in the universe for exactly, that exactly exactly well hey this has been a lot of fun I really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule and I know you've been really busy lately I have, but it's always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I, I've been listening to a lot of the interviews recently, and I really enjoy them. It's great to see different aspects of different people's kink. Well, cool. I'm glad. I'm glad you were willing to share yours uh, with everybody else. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, Sweet Geek Goddess will be able to sit down uh, soon and do the same. I'm sure she would. She's uh, nodding quite enthusiastically here. That she'd love to spend time sitting down and uh, discussing some of her thoughts. I know she's got a couple of projects she's working on she'd love to share with you, I'm sure. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Cool, man. Cool. Thank you, Gamer. And thank you if you've uh, been one of the few people, few in the proud, who have donated to the podcast in the past uh, couple of uh, weeks. I've had two people, I think. Yeah, two people donate. And thank you so much for, the, for those who have uh, shelled out some of their hard-earned cash to support the podcast. Uh, com, or you can email me massacast at gmail.com hope you have a good week 
We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.